What's up, Citizen Detectives? Welcome to Yellow Jackets <laughs> Buzz. I'm Glenn Rubenstein with NYC Demon Diva Issa. And this is our new podcast where we're going to talk all about the Showtime series Yellow Jackets. Uh, you've heard us talk about it on the other podcast that we do where you're obsessed with the show. Issa, thank you so much for doing this. I know I've been, I've been the Misty in this relationship, pestering you like, come on, we have to do this. We have to make it happen. Uh, yeah, what would that make me? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 don't I didn't try it out. Listen, I love this show and I would have not even heard about it if it wasn't for you. And now I'm like obsessed. I'm like losing myself in, in Reddit theories and like looking up videos and all that so thank you for like introducing me to it oh you're very welcome i mean this show is absolutely crazy so if you've never seen yellow jackets before how would you describe it it's it's like lord of the flies meets mean girls meets lost i would like to say pretty little liars meets meets lost i'm a pretty little liars fan i always loved that show and i love all the lies and you never really found out what the real story was and i get those vibes from this so i i like to say pretty little liars but um a horror version of it yeah and there's a lot of mystery to be had in this show so if you haven't heard about it if you haven't watched yet okay we're gonna break this up today in this first episode, we're going to talk about one and two. Then we're going to do another episode for three and four, and then another for five and six. After that, we're going to go to weekly once we're caught up for the rest of the season. And here's the great thing. Yellow Jackets has already been renewed for season two by Showtime. So excited. So it, there's no way, because how many episodes do we have laid out for this season? It's 12, right? No, it's or is 10. It 10? 10. 10. That's right. I don't think this story seems so deep that I don't think we're going to be able to get to the bottom of this in just 10 episodes. So as soon as I saw the announcement, I kind of knew it was coming because I was like, there is no way that we're going to get to the bottom of this in 10 episodes. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I have been heartbroken by so many TV series in the past where I loved them, I got hooked on them, and then they got canceled. And uh, when I started watching this show and I read about the creators having a five-year plan, I was terrified. Um, you know, so it's, it's great that we're going to get to see this through to its conclusion, uh, at least for us, or at least into a second season. I have a feeling this could go the, the full five, um, just based on how we're hearing about numbers are doubling week in and week out. Uh, we hear about, you know, look at the subreddit. I mean, it's like adding thousands of people every Mm -hmm. week. Um, it's really nuts. And I think, uh, we should do a little housekeeping just to bring people into the fold here. So if you haven't seen Yellow Jackets, here's what it's about. I'm going to give you the official description. Part survival epic, part psychological horror, and part coming-of-age drama, this is a story of a team of wildly talented high school girls soccer players who survive a plane crash deep in the remote northern wilderness. The series chronicles their descent from a complicated but thriving team to savage clans, while also tracking the lives they've attempted to piece back together 25 years later. And what began in the wilderness is far from over. The series is created by Ashley Lyle and her husband, Bart Nickerson. They actually had uh, this idea when it was announced a few years ago, there was going to be an all-female remake of Lord of the Flies. And people were joking online saying, oh, women are too kind and too productive and too much of a team. There's no way this could descend into the savagery uh, and warring tribes like Lord of the Flies did when it was all teenage boys. And Ashley had the idea of, uh, I believe her exact quote was something along the lines of like, have you ever met a teenage girl? Um, Right. (laughs) And was inspired to do the series. Um, Yes. And so far, I think they did an excellent job. Absolutely. The pilot was shot in 2019. 
they had a complete uh, shutdown and over a year break due to COVID. And then they actually uh, started filming the series when it was picked up the series earlier this year. They actually just finished filming, I believe it was in late September or October of 2021. And the show debuted in November of 2021. And here we are, you know, a month into its run and what a ride it has been. Yes, it has. I'm I'm so happy to be talking about it. And the cast is so talented. There's some real good talents and, and actors and actresses playing these roles. It's incredible. Absolutely. So the ones that most people know, the marquee players, of course, we have Melanie Linsky, who plays uh, the main character, Shauna, in the series. Now, you know Melanie from movies like Beautiful Creatures. She was on Two and a Half Men. Uh, she's just been in a wide variety of films, had a very long and storied acting career. Uh, we have uh, Juliette Lewis. As, yes. Yes, as, as Natalie. Uh, Juliette Lewis, of course, you know, from uh, back all the way back to Christmas Vacation in Cape Fear and the Natural Born Killer, Strange Days, uh, and all the work she's done since then. And then uh, Tawny Cypress, who I was not as familiar with as Thaisa uh, before this series, but uh, from what I understand, like she really came onto the scene in the 2000s. And I am so impressed with the way that she plays a grown-up tie, um, just the strength, conviction, and uh, we've seen the layers to her character, which we won't get too into. Uh, we're going to try and not spoil anything or get too far ahead. But I think all of these characters do have spoilers and developments um, attached to them. And then lastly, this was a surprise for me because I started watching the pilot and didn't even know um, this person was I know, I know what it. you're going to say. But, oh my God, when Christina Ricci showed up, like, I just wanted to jump out of my seat. I was so excited to see her. I so when you told me, I'm sorry I had to interrupt you, but when you told me about the show, I didn't look anything up. I was just like, all right, I have showtime. I'll watch. And when I saw her, that completely just changed everything. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this, whether I like it or not. And she's so good in her role, but I absolutely adore Christina Ricci, and I was so happy to see her. She is so good in this. And we will talk about the young cast. I think, uh, you know, individually, we will definitely try and give people their, their props and respect uh, as we talk about their characterizations. But with these four women at the forefront playing the modern day versions of these characters in the year 2021, who underwent this plane crash back in 1996 and were in the woods for 19 months. Um, it's just amazing. It's a credit to the casting department and what a great job they did matching up the older and younger counterparts. It's so believable. Yes. Yes. And a lot of times you would think it's the same person for some reason. There was a couple of occasions that I was like, it seems like it's the exact same girl playing the older version of themselves. They did a great job. It's really incredible. And I recommend, here's, here's the best thing about this. If you're watching this, if you're following Issa and I over from the other work that we do in covering wrestling on the Wrestling Inc. podcast, and you're saying, oh, I want to check it out, but I don't have showtime. Well, here's the good news. The first episode, the pilot, hour-long pilot is available on Showtime's YouTube channel for free. You can go right now and check it out and watch it. I, in my mind, because I watched the first two episodes back-to-back, -back, that really feels like the complete pilot to me. But, but that first standalone hour did an amazing job because I, I guess we can just get this right out of the way because it happens very early in the series. The opening shot of this series, okay, so you might be thinking, oh, we're going to we're going to see 90s nostalgia. Uh, you know, they're going to they're going to give us a slow build. We're going to ease into this before we really know what's going on. And uh, the series starts. And the very first thing we see is a scared young woman running through the wilderness, um, hearing, you know, these voices taunting her. She's she's in the snow. She's barefoot. Um, 
we see her being chased and then we see her fall into a pit full of sharp sticks. Um, and then uh, someone dressed in an outfit with, uh, with a mask and animal furs is standing over the pit looking at the body. So right there, first off, what a way to open the show. They are not effing around. The first time I tried to watch it, I was watching it with my nephew. And all it took was that opening segment for him to say, yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot darker than what he thought it was going to be. And he was like, if this is how it starts, I don't need to get into this. He doesn't like that style of television, but it's, it's a way to, that's how you make an impression. That's how you get somebody to keep watching. No well, 90s nostalgia, no soccer. No, it went straight into how did we get here? And that's what keeps you in. Yeah, and, and let me tell you, if you watch that opening scene and you're like, this is too dark and spooky for me, it's okay to turn it off because what's going to happen shortly thereafter is <laughs> going to probably like be a deal breaker for you if you can't handle that opening scene. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I thought the opening scene was strong. And then once I sat down and binge watched everything, I was like, wow, that was actually tame compared to some of the things we watch later on. Yeah, sure, we're hunting our teammates and friends, right. but you know, it can get darker from there. Um, then we cut to present day. It's not a documentary, but it's, it's presented where a reporter is asking questions. Uh, we have one woman saying, you know, it, this crash happened. It could have been me. We have a principal saying, you know, sometimes when these things happen, uh, you know, no big loss. But with these girls, they were champions. This is a tragedy what <laughs> happened to them. Which tells you, you know, we all knew our teachers and principals thought this way about students, uh, but yep. this is them just saying it out loud. And then one of my favorite uh, parts uh, was uh, a former uh, math teacher saying, I'll tell you one thing, none of them gave a good goddamn about trigonometry. <laughs> yeah, the principal is still my favorite out of all of them. I thought the principal was epic because I, I, I couldn't help but to laugh as soon as he said, but these girls, they were talented. Yeah. <laughs> Basically saying if it was anybody else in the high school, he would have not cared. <laughs> and so from there, we leave the present day and we go back to 1996 where we see on the soccer field, the Yellow Jackets winning the state championships and yelling, we're going to nationals. So that yes. puts the plot right in motion. We get the Smashing Pumpkins song today playing, which instantly tells you you're in the mid nineties. And I am such a nerd and so hardcore about this that it, it drove me crazy that Netflix series Fear Street, when they were, it was nineties series and they were playing songs from like the year 2000 or 2000, yeah. you know, I have to say the music supervisor of Yellow Jackets, like I'm, I'm Googling every song. I mean, I knew Smashing Pumpkins came out in 93, 94, but I'm Googling every song to see when it came out. And they have been so in the flashbacks, so accurate in picking yes. era appropriate music. And it's very, I thought the soundtrack, the entire soundtrack to the series has been pretty epic. I have enjoyed the music, but I do pay, I love the attention to detailing. Not just that, there's other scenes and um, where you see what the girls' rooms, decorations look like, what they're doing, the things on their dressers, everything seems to be very appropriate to the time era that we're telling the story in. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's just uh, really phenomenal attention to detail, uh, detail. It feels very real. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, to, to put it in perspective, I graduated, or I would have, gra I graduated early, I would have gra graduated class of 94, um, I feel like these are people I went to high school with, people that I knew, uh, people that were friends of, of my younger brothers. I mean, this feels very, very accurate. Yes, the fashion as well. I know you gave, you gave a shout out to the music. I think the fashion and the outfits that they're wearing are very appropriate to the time, to the timeline. 
Um, so uh, we go from there then to our introduction of Jackie. And this is very interesting that, I, I don't think this is a spoiler to say, but if you're watching the series and we meet all of the older versions of these players, you will notice the Jackie who seems almost like the main character or one of the main characters, we come to learn she's the captain of the team, does not have an older counterpart in the year 2021. Yeah, so of course you already know. I love the theories around this, but you kind of like, it's, it's a little bit of a giveaway of what could happen to her, you know? Yeah, maybe, and maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe, they, maybe they're saving that, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about how they, they delicately walk the line there. So uh, Jackie is in bed with her boyfriend, Jeff, having what I will tactfully call a perhaps disappointing uh, intimacy. <laughs> That is a perfect way to describe it. <laughs> uh, and and this is interesting because this does set up something. This is not gratuitous. I know a lot of times, I feel like a lot of times in teen movies or shows, sometimes the sex scenes can be a little gratuitous, but in this, it, it does set something up very important that happens. Um, when uh, their encounter is over, Shauna is picking up Jackie. They're talking about their plans for college. You're seeing uh, Jackie's boyfriend, Jeff, is sneaking out of the house. And this dynamic with Shauna and Jackie is immediately set up um, that Jackie is kind of the, the alpha in this friendship, would you say? Oh, yeah, 1,000%. Um, or she thinks she is. I think, I think Shauna is a little bit more of a silent killer, you know. But at this particular point, it just seems to be that Jackie is the cool, popular girl and Shauna is just the best friend that she drags around with her. That's the way it came off to me, just based on that first interaction between the two of them. Absolutely. Um, then we come back to present day where we see adult Shauna um, really displaying, I mean, I don't even know where to unpack this behavior of uh, what she's doing in her daughter's bedroom, uh, looking at a photo of her daughter's boyfriend. Um, but clearly, as we see uh, some boundary issues that she may have had when she was younger, some destructive impulses might be carrying over into adulthood. But from there, we go into a montage of her sort of ho-hum housewife uh, life that she has doing the laundry. And she is approached by this reporter, Jessica Roberts, who uh, we see in Us Magazine, it's 25 year anniversary of the crash. Uh, Jessica Roberts is offering her a book deal saying, you know, we know what the official line is saying, you know, we were in the months and we starved and we scavenged and we prayed to be rescued and we were, but it's very clear that everyone suspects something else was happening. So Jessica Roberts is really trying to dangle whatever she can to get Shauna to talk. Yes. Yes. I, I don't like Jessica Roberts. Just thought I'd point that out. Yes. And then we cut to adult Natalie, who is in uh, a rehab facility. And what's interesting is you're probably wondering after, um, the Jessica Roberts scene, well, God, Shauna really doesn't want to talk about something. What could it be that they don't want to talk about? And as Natalie is going into her therapy scene, we see a flashback to the woods with uh, the girl that was trapped being strung up and, and bled out, um, essentially. And again, if this, is, if this is the point where you go, this is too dark for me, turn it off now because yes. it's going to get bumpier um, as we keep going. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, what was your thought process? We were like, why did Glenn recommend this show to me? Were you just I think I think because we talked so much about like our taste, and I always told you I'm a big like slasher horror film, like dark stuff. I could totally see when this happened, why you recommended it to me. Um, 
but I, I was intrigued by the opening scenes myself. So I'm glad you recommended it. I don't know what made you think I would be into this, but I'm glad you decided that I would like. <laughs> well, because I think, especially in our coverage of wrestling, anytime there's a storyline that is boundary pushing or a little more extreme or like what Bray Wyatt was doing with the fiend and things were dark. I mean, you, you, uh, I, I've just noticed that you really pop for things that are a bit more the occult that are a bit yes. darker. Um, and so when I was, and I know I've been, I've been like downright bullying you to watch evil on Paramount plus for like a year now. Um, I, know, I need, I need to now that, now that you made me obsessed with this, I'm, I'm going to start taking all your recommendations. Cause evil <laughs> is just all crazy demons and whatnot. But I uh, know when I was watching this, I was just like, I think Issa would be into this. Um, yeah. So we see, uh, Natalie in rehab. She's uh, basically getting out of rehab. Again, this idea that, you know, there's this through on the adult survivors do not want to talk about what happened. Um, we then cut back to 1996, Natalie, uh, who's with their friends. They're, they're drinking. Um, you know, you get the sense that, okay, Julia Lewis, her grown up character, um, you know, now has, has been through some things, but cutting back, she has dyed hair They're They're giving you this idea that, okay, you know, we used to call them when I went to high school, like uh, the group of kids that would hang out across the street from the school and smoke. Yes. <laughs> that was my yes, first Yes, she thought. seems to be the trouble. Yeah, the troublemaker or the troubled one, you know. I went to school a little bit later on than you, but definitely we'll say the emo kids group. Yes. <laughs> um, but, we, you know, which is funny because in the next scene we see her in practice and uh, she's a team player. You know, she's part of the right. soccer team. And I think we all, I mean, did you do team sports in high school and all? I did. I did. I played volleyball. Basketball was mine. Like my favorite, the one that I enjoyed and did for the longest was basketball. I think um, for me, you know, I was on the high school wrestling team. That's a whole other story to unpack at a later time. But uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, drama for me was the interesting intersection where I interacted with kids from all the different social groups that just happened to be in drama club or, you know, they were interested in performing. And the wrestling team a little bit, but I mean, I had friends from, from all the different circles in school. Right. So when I saw what they were doing with Natalie, like it just instantly took me back to like people I grew up with. And I remember like my friends that turned me on to, you know, they, they were the ones where I got like my, my cooler music taste. Right. Were, like from right. those friends. <laughs> yes, I was, I, I always appreciate, I feel there's a different vibe and connection that you make with your teammates when you're in a particular group not necessarily sports just you belong to a group i think there's a different connection that you make with them well and then we see them in the locker room uh doing not choreographed but like a group like impromptu dance number to salt and pepper shoop classic which, which, <laughs> i have to admit when i look back on my high school days i do regret that i was never a part of an impromptu group sing-along and dance number I feel like that would have enriched my life. Yeah. Yeah. You should go back and do it. Maybe on your next <laughs> reunion, just make your class do it. Like, guys, we're going to do this <laughs> ahead of time. You need it. You need it in thing. your life. We're all going to learn all the words and it's going to be absolutely yes. fantastic. And I don't know why, but the song that popped into my head, it will be the Lucas with the lid off because that's just a fun song and everyone can kind of get down. To it. Uh, we have Jackie meeting with the coach. And again, Jackie, what in any other series would seem like the main character, the coach tells her, you're the captain of this team, not because you're the best player. And then goes on to say, here's where every player is better than you, but you right. have influence. Right. Jackie was the influencer before social media was invented. 
And this and this and this coach recognizes how how much more important having influence is than being the most talented one. I'm surprised he's not saying, you know, tell me about your beauty tips. Uh, are there any products perhaps I should check out? Uh, <laughs> what what meal delivery service do you recommend? I mean, clearly, Jackie, you're like influencer, you know, 1.0 here. Right. And she does got pulled. I got to say that her, the scenes with her are captivating and you're just watching her every word. So they, they did a good job picking, um, you know, picking her as the team captain. And uh, after uh, this, oh, I just want to say if, if Jackie were alive today and on Instagram, we don't know, but you know, like 80% of those posts would be sponsored content. Oh, yeah. 1000%. Hooking up deals. So we go to the pep rally. And this was the part I was watching this with my wife. This was the part where it just made it all the better where it went because you see this pep rally uh, where the Yellow Jackets are coming out. They're, you know, excited about going to nationals. And then we're introduced to Misty, the team equipment manager, a girl that, you know, is separate from the group wearing glasses. They're, they're basically telling us through her kind of her over enthusiasm that, okay, she is uh, not quite a part of the group. She's not an athlete, but uh, she's, she's a little awkward. Misty. Oh man, I wouldn't, I, I, I don't, I have a weird relationship with Misty and I guess the more we talk about it, the more we'll discuss, but seeing her for the first time, I was already intrigued. I wanted to know more about her. Uh, I don't know how you felt when you first saw her and did you think it wouldn't like, it would go where it went just from your first impression of her? No, in fact, so, and again, I didn't know Christina Ricci was right. in the series playing a grown-up Misty, but I, my wife right. and I turned to each other and we were both like, okay, we know who the first one to die is. Like, um, ah! and, and in fact, like in Lord of the Flies, I don't know if you've read Lord of the Flies, but the boy version of this character is a boy with like the worst name. They call him Piggy, like, like a fat kid right. with glasses. And like, he's the one that, you know, like they're stealing his glasses. And I think he gets like a rock dropped on his head, like, cause he's determined to be weaker than the other boys. So what they did with Misty here, and again, part of the reason just so everyone knows why we're going a little more beat by beat with this is because we can't, it's hard to discuss and not speculate without spoiling something that's going to come because we've now seen six episodes in. So I think, you know, as we get further in the series, there'll be more theorizing and speculating. But with Misty, yeah, they set her up like, okay, this is, this is that character. And then what they do with her, the swerve is so brilliant. Yes. Yes. It goes in a complete different direction. And, and it just goes to show you that you cannot make your your picks here based on your first impression of the girls because it just goes completely different to where you think it's going to go. Well, and so then we meet uh, adult Taisa, uh, who's running for state Senate and getting family photos taken. And then this, were you surprised how much the Taisa storyline is like dominant in the series? Yes. Yes, I am. But I, I guess when you look at her in the pilot and you see what she's doing and she's just being so such a public figure, I didn't think it was going to go in this direction. I thought I thought she was going to be the most normal, the one that, you know, <laughs> I thought she was going to be the most normal, trying to live her best life and, and putting the plane, you know, the plane accident behind. That's what I thought we were going to get out of her. Well, so what's interesting is then we cut to Thais as a teenager talking to the team and talking about the player Allie, who uh, is a freshman that's on the team, who they feel did not do good at nationals. And Thaisa wants to come up with a plan to, uh, to essentially box her out or get her to step up her game because she th Thaisa thinks she's the weak link. Um, and then what happens is during the scrimmage that they're having against the JV team, Thaisa decides to switch sides. And then with Allie, the freshman player, Thaisa essentially like tackle, slide tackles or trips her. And Thaisa breaks her leg 
in like the what most- a gory like, scene too oh my, again and if this grosses you out now is a great time to turn off the pilot <laughs> so what we learned that from scene this, was brutal it didn't need to go that gory <laughs> and what we learned from this is Thaisa does not fuck around um she has no. got just she's just like ice cold when she has to be so doing the math on this did you realize this the first time i did not that Allie, the girl that was tripped was the woman with the wine at the start of the series who said that could have been me talking to jessica roberts oh my god no yes Shut that's up. grown up Allie who did not how get to go am to i Nationals. still finding new things out i binge watched this episodes more than once i have gotten lost in the reddit uh, <laughs> subreddit of it and i still am finding new things every time and now talking to you i had no idea it all makes sense now you know what i mean it all makes sense now yeah and i love that i love that there are these layers uh we then cut to shauna and we meet her daughter callie uh there's there's <laughs> some riff there callie is you know, a little rebellious. Uh, we cut back to Shauna as a teenager who's going to a party the night before they leave for national. She's going with Jackie. And uh, then back to there, we cut to Natalie, who's talking about, you know, she needs to go catch a plane. Should we uh, determine that she's in Los Angeles? She's going back to New Jersey. Um, but at this party, um, the girls get into a fight and we see kind of this group bonding moment where we get to meet more of the team essentially learn their names learn who they are uh jackie we see her leadership quality and making the girls each say something nice about the other uh to sort of rebuild a sense of team spirit given there's all this infighting after what happened with Allie breaking her right life. right um and this is a really good scene and we learn early on that there's van who's uh, the goalie vanessa uh, we learned that there's laura lee uh who's very christian we meet lottie <laughs> We meet, uh, I don't remember if we meet Mari in this scene, but um, yeah, this is just like a really good chance to kind of like learn a little bit about each of the girls' personalities. Right. Yeah, it was uh, great. Yeah, very, very good intro. And what's funny about this is if we're talking about this and you haven't watched this yet, and I, and I hope uh, you, know, you do watch the episodes before we discuss them because part of the joy of the show is the discovery. But I have to say for a show with, what is it, like 10 characters active in the past and then six characters active in the present. I had a little bit of trouble following the first time through, but yes. by the second episode, like I knew who everyone was and I understood. Yes, I agree. I agree. I think um, by the second episode, I got a little bit better by the second watch. I mean, I'm not telling everybody go binge watch it twice, but the second watch was so much more of a better experience for me because now I could follow up and then I, I was able to pick up on things that I missed the first time because I was a little bit uh, lost because so many characters. This is such a rewatchable show. And every time I've gone yes. back, um, whether to watch something again or I'm going back and like grabbing screenshots to studies, I mean, you notice details in the background. Um, um, and even things that we found out later, like they planted seeds for them yes. in earlier episodes, which is great. But okay, so let's talk about the big, big moment here, which is then we see Natalie who uh, took acid at the bonfire. Um, and Natalie is uh, uh, having this vision of um, the fire and meat roasting on the fire. So already like, Start doing some math, folks. You can kind of understand right. where this is going. Um, then we get the the big surprise that will inform a lot of the story is that 
Jeff, Jackie's boyfriend, is going to drop her and Shauna off. He drops Jackie off first and is going to drop Shauna off. And then they pull over and Shauna starts having sex with her best friend's boyfriend. And it's not the first time. It is not the first time. And and this is no spoilers, but uh, Issa, have you ever heard of uh, something called Chekhov's gun in, in literature or uh, entertainment or storytelling? No, time? enlighten me. Okay, so Chekhov's gun is the theory that if you're watching a movie or a play or a TV show, and not like a police show, but just like, you know, a regular drama, and a gun is introduced in right. the first act of a play, it's going to make a reappearance in the right. okay. third act. And right. that's, I believe, inspired by the, the playwright Chekhov. Okay. Um, so uh, we have a theory with this that I'm just going to call Chekhov's seed, um, in that Shauna explicitly warns Jeff because she makes it very clear they are not using protection and explicitly warns him uh, about getting her pregnant and what will, and there will be consequences. She will raise the child out of spite. She will train it to become a killing machine. It will hunt him down and kill him. And I'm just saying much like Chekhov's gun, I don't think you introduce that unless you intend to do something with it later. Agreed. Especially because of the line that she uses. So I will raise it to be a killing machine. I was like, that's a little extreme. And I'm sitting here as a female trying to go back when you're caught up to the heat of the moment. I don't think you go into that much detail just to tell a guy to not get you pregnant. So I knew this was going somewhere. People sometimes have very in-depth conversations. I mean, probably not as teenagers, but you know, uh, yeah, it was definitely an explicit plot point they wanted to make. (laughs) We then cut back to present day and we see that Shauna uh, is married to someone uh, that based on the, I mean, we do find out is Jeff is she did marry her best friend's boyfriend. Um, But yeah, we see that they've, they've raised a family. Uh, Shauna then goes to her secret safe, takes out a burner phone and calls someone and says they need to get together. And then we go to the next morning, which is all the Yellow Jackets getting ready to go and leave on the plane. We see a little bit about their home lives. And with Misty, we see something very interesting that she's essentially watching like a mouse or rat, like swim, like basically not drowning, but unable to get out of her swimming pool. And she's just watching it swim for its life. So, okay, Miss Misty's got some darkness is what we're supposed to take from this scene. Um, definitely. We also learned that Shauna got into Brown, uh, not the college where uh, Jackie was planning on going. She hasn't told her yet. Um, but we go to this, they get on the plane, and then we learn it is a private plane that Lottie's father has chartered for them. Uh, right. which again, uh, you know, really setting up a perfect storm of circumstances. Cut to present day Shauna meeting with Thaisa, telling her about the reporter and saying, You need to take care of this. Um, we get Natalie back in present day, getting a Porsche out of storage and a gun, uh, <laughs> with a scope is in there, yes. uh, talking about going to catch up with some old friends now that she's back. And then we get the big reveal, uh, in all her glory, the antler queen and the dinner party of yellow jackets, which are, uh, seven women with another, uh, woman confirmed, uh, uh, young woman serving them. Um, uh, we do not know who the Antler Queen is. And to give you a sense of this, um, I mean, just search Antler Queen, you'll, you'll get a sense of, of the graphic here. But I mean, it's partially what inspired our logo, but it is a uh, cloaked figure with antlers and a net covering her face. Everyone is wearing masks that look like they're made of a combination of animal furs and clothing that they had together. Um, and uh, yeah, they are uh, being served on a platter. 
by another member of their party, um, start doing the math about the opening scene, the the bleeding out scene, the roasting scene, and, and you can figure pretty easily that they're they're uh, consuming one of uh, their teammates here. Uh, then we cut in present day to a grown up Misty, the introduction of Christina Ricci, the <laughs> the breakout star of this show. Um, that I, I think on some level must be everybody's favorite character. She's working at a nursing home. Uh, she gets into it with her patients. She withholds meds. Like she's very petty and you could tell like she's got a wicked sadistic streak. From there, we flash back to the hooded figure that served the meat on the platter. Uh, she removes her, uh, she removes her hood, her mask, and we see it's the young Misty. So yes. that's the one confirmed party. And it says, okay, the, the person you thought was the weak character is uh, perhaps uh, the darkest of the bunch. Yes. Um, I love that reveal. I so love that reveal. I might have screamed. I might have literally screamed because I, I, I just didn't know what we were going with that. And it was just, it was such a good moment and such a, and it just makes you wonder how do we get here, which is what keeps you in and, and, and obsessed with this show. Yeah, so we go from right there to the plane crashing, and yeah. uh, you know everything starts going south, uh, and the episode ends, and that's the end of the pilot. And let me just like I cannot emphasize this enough. If you look at the year-end best list of best episodes and best series, everybody who has watched this first episode has said this is one of the single best hours of TV this year, and perhaps one of the best first episodes of a series ever. Yes, and I completely agree. I thought it did such a good job with the back and forth. It never got confusing, not even on the first watch. I think it was confusing to just learn the characters, you know, at first. It was not even confusing, just hard to keep up with it. But they 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 told the story in this first episode in such a way that you never get thrown off by the timelines going back and forth. You know what I mean? Because that was a concern for me when I first started watching it and I see we're going back and forth between their 2021 versions and their teenage versions. But I thought that was the that was the one thing that I enjoyed the most was just the back and forth between the timelines never felt overwhelming or threw you out of the story. Yeah, it was I mean it was a lot of information to take in, but it was so well presented and we were given in this first episode two of the biggest mysteries in the show. And I think, you know, we're going to come back to this. I know on the subreddit, people are already like, oh my God, enough with guessing who this is. I mean, the first guess is who's the girl in the pit that they're chasing uh, at the opening of the show. The second is who is the antler queen. And I guess the second to that would be who else makes it to the, the dinner party uh, in, in winter uh, when, when they're, uh, you know, consuming one of their teammates, probably not the first, probably not the last. Um, I mean, these are huge mysteries, but Issa, I, I don't want to throw cold water on this because I'm sure you have guesses and I know I do as well. A lot of folks have gone back and freeze framed these scenes and have looked at photos and zoomed in. It was confirmed by the actress that plays young Misty, who we did see revealed in this scene. Um, it was confirmed by her, Sammy Hanrati is her name. And she confirmed that she was the only member of the cast that went up into the mountains during winter to shoot this scene. Everyone else we saw from the opening pit girl to the dinner party in the Angler Queen was a stunt double or member of the stunt team. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. That's news to me. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. So (laughs) 
I know. What are, what right? are your guesses? Do you do you have any theories? Like I have so many theories, and then I get on the subreddit, and they just completely mess up my theories and maybe come up with like ten new ones. Oh my god! And I love the Reddit. I'm probably going to out my Reddit all just by some of my theories and the things I say here. Like people are going to be like, "Oh, we know who Glenn is on Reddit now." But uh, um, but I'll say that it's amazing to me to see people like to see fans arguing about theories. Like I haven't seen anything like this in years, but granted there's not a lot of shows that I've ever been motivated enough to like spend time in a subreddit and post and talk about on Twitter extensively. Normally I watch stuff. I'm just like, I'm just happy to see where it's going. I'm just along for the ride. You know, you know what? This is probably why I told you it was a very twisted version of pretty little liars. Cause pretty little liars. I don't know if you're watched or anything, but it has so many layers to it to the story and you never really know what the reality was that that is why i felt the need to go online and see if people were thinking the same thing that i was thinking or not yeah. and this show gives me that effect to try to go out there and see like are they thinking what i'm thinking or are they seeing something that i'm not seeing and that that's why i compare it to pretty little liars because that's what that show did to me it made me go on forums and subreddits and just get lost into other people's theories to see if i'm in the right track or not well, and I'll tell you, so my theory about the Antler Queen we're going to talk about, because in episode two, I did think they gave us a big potential clue. And and I also have to almost preface this that um, I did work on a web series like 15 years ago, and I ran an alternate reality game. And for people that aren't familiar with alternate reality games, um, they're puzzles, they're layered storytelling, but the idea is you want the audience to participate in solving the puzzle and the story. So maybe you watch a video. Like we did one video in the series where our main character, she listed off a list of movies, but if you put the titles in order, you could find it was actually a code. It was a message she was giving to someone. So we would do little things like that to say, if you're watching along at home, you can get some additional layers of story or figure out where this is going based on paying close attention. So for me, when I'm watching Yellow Jackets, I even like I even messaged uh, one of the creators of the show, Ashley, uh, who's on Twitter, and I was you know I was tweeting at her, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm looking at you know, these symbols they're showing us and these things they're doing. And it's like, this is just unlocking this thing in me that's been dormant for 15 years. Like, I don't, I don't do this sort of thing uh, anymore, you know, but for me, like now I'm just like Googling everything and trying to learn more about it. So for me, like, and you're I'm, not the only one and you're yeah. not the only one. Go read comments, reviews, subreddits. Everybody feels, you know, that way about this, which is what I like. It's like, you're, <laughs> you're a little community of detectives trying to figure out or put your theory out there that way if you're right you can at least come back and be like see i told you <laughs> oh, absolutely and you know and we'll talk more about theories and favorite characters and like i said you know if you're watching these early episodes we're really trying to almost get these out of the way so we can jump in the week in and week out of this uh, for the rest of the season um episode two opens with an homage. I'm curious if you picked up on this. Issa, have you ever seen a movie called Welcome to the Dollhouse from the mid-90s? I have. I've seen it. Okay. So it uh, turns out Ashley Lyle, who uh, co-created the show, it is one of her favorite films. And we open with Misty doing almost a, you know, an homage as a 12-year-old to the Don Wiener character of Welcome to the Dollhouse, who is being uh, crank called by some other girls in school. I do not believe it is any of the other girls that are, uh, that are yellow jackets that are on the team. Um, but you know, we see how Misty almost handles this and, you know, you could, you just such Sammy Henrati who plays this role just conveys if for anyone that's ever been bullied, like this mix of, you know, uh, indifference and I'm above it, but this rage, this anger, this sadness, I mean, just this scene is just, uh, just masterful and tells you 
everything you need to know about Misty as a character and the like baggage she is carrying from adolescence that informs a lot of her decision. Um, yes, 100%. Sorry, I was having a little bit of issues with my audio, but I kind of, I couldn't catch half of what you were saying there. Oh, but um, it does give me a little bit of, of flashbacks to, uh, to the Dollhouse movie. Yes, and then we go right from there to the plane crash in 1996, um, which very intense. I mean, I'm, are, you, are you numb to plane crash scenes? I feel like they're still pretty... They're, they've gotten more common, but I feel like every time I see one, it's just kind of like, okay, this is terrifying. Yeah, I I am. I used to be like a huge fan of Final Destination when it first came out. <laughs> and I watched it over and over again. And you know, that scene has, has a pretty, uh, you know, a, a pretty explicit um, plane crash scene. I thought this was very, very well done. And there was not a lot of like special effects or CGI. So maybe that's why it felt so real me i don't know what it was about this plane crash scene but i thought i thought it was a very very efficiently taped or shot i don't know what you know the right word to use for that but it, it was it, it was up there with one of my favorite um plane crash scenes um out of anything that i have watched in recent years it was very very well done um we see that one of the team members has been impaled uh, we see that a flight attendant has caught fire. We see both of the pilots uh, did not survive the crash. And we see Van, uh, the goalie, uh, not able to escape her seat. Sean is trying to help her, uh, but due to the encroaching flames, Jackie pulls her out uh, of the plane. Um, and then we go to uh, Coach Ben, who is with them on this journey, whose leg is trapped, mangled underneath the plane wing. And Misty immediately springs into action uh, as we see his leg is just, you know, beyond repair or recovery, uh, ties off at the knee with a belt, grabs the axe from the plane and proceeds to chop off Coach Ben's leg. Um, Were you expecting her to do that? No. And like blood splattering <laughs> on her face. And again, it was I just know. like, Misty, like... <laughs> Misty gets shit done, man. I mean, I I love um, the Misty that we get to meet, I guess, or, or the version of Misty that we see on this episode because you just don't expect that, and then you go back to episode one and you realize what she does for a living now, and everything kind of like makes sense, you know. But this, like, I was not expecting that at all, and it just happened like so fast. And for her to have that sort of experience and said, "Okay, we need to chop his leg off and just do it," and like all of the other girls are like, I mean, think about it. We're talking teenage girls. You don't expect them to have these survival instincts or knowledge, and Misty just. She doesn't mess around, like you said. And then I was disappointed uh, in episode two when I thought Van was left for dead uh, in the plane. But then Van shows up a little yes. smoky, a little charred, uh, but holding a pocket knife. She was able to cut her seatbelt and get out. And the look she gives Shauna and Jackie, like, you left me there. I didn't like this because I thought that the girls did everything that they could and Jackie pulled Shauna off when it was just a very last option. You know what I mean? It's like either I save two of us or or three oh, yeah. of us die. So I didn't I get I get where Van was coming for at, from at that point, but I was like this was a safe two or three go down situation. I feel like people should be a little more understanding. But then again, I don't know how I will react if I'm in that exact same situation. Yeah, Issa, I think, you know, if I were the one 
that was being sacrificed for the greater good uh, in that situation, I think I might hold a grudge. You know, I'd be like, well, in theory, I understand, but because it's me going through this, maybe I'm not as cool with it right. as be for one of you. You know? Right, right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, what, as a viewer, I was like, well, she should be understanding that if they can't get it out, the plane's going to blow up. So they got to get out, you know? But if I'm the one sitting there stuck, I will probably be mad if people don't want to try to save me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we cut to present day. We see Misty on a date. It is not going well. Um, it's interesting, too. I, I mean, do you think uh, that maybe they go out of their way with this, right? Because obviously, I think that Christina Ricci, uh, Sammy Hanrati, who both play Misty, I mean, they are purposefully giving them, um, you know, like a bad hairstyle or unflattering glasses to almost hide their attractiveness. But I think in addition to that, with uh, with both of them, like they almost they almost have to, especially with adult Misty, they almost have to play up the awkward to remind you, like, there's a reason why this guy isn't into her, you know? Right, yeah, they they do do a good job at kind of, like, hyping it up, like, the more, I don't know, awkward part of it. But almost, there was a part in which he started to feel like maybe it's just a little too much. You know what I mean? Like, I get the point that you are trying to make here. <laughs> like, we don't need to be so obvious about it. yeah. Um, and then Misty uh, uses what is Seabreeze <laughs> uses like uh, like essentially uh, uh, like an acne wash to sterilize Coach Ben's bleeding leg, his, his bloody stump. And they say, where did you learn all this? And she says, she took the Red Cross babysitter's training class twice. <laughs> yes, sure. That's where she learned it. Sure. Absolutely. Hey, it's a very comprehensive class. Wait, did you, did you look it up? Did you look no. up the class? No. I was just going to ask you that. Okay. Okay. Well, then we need to Google the class and see what it is that they teach in this class. Oh, you know what I did uh, buy though? Someone on Reddit recommended a book called How to Survive in the Woods and said it's actually really fascinating. It's like a manual. And so I ordered that. I'm looking forward to reading. Send me a, send me send me it when you're done with it because I want to go on Survivor, so I might need some tips. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, then we get in the second episode a very big plot introduction, which is Shauna uh, basically rear-ends somebody's Ford Bronco, and that somebody is someone named Adam, uh, who is yes. immediately flirtatious with her and saying, "I'll take care of getting your car fixed. Call this number." Writes his number in pen on her arm uh she writes hers as well yeah. and uh and what i like about this is in uh in movies and tv we have what we call the meet cute you know which is the like ad the adorable way like people meet and then realize they have this chemistry and i like that shauna is like why are you trying to be adorable right now does this usually work for you like she is not having any of this guy yes shauna is completely not falling for the flirtiness that adam seems to be showing in this scene yeah and uh we then immediately go to that with her and Jeff in marriage counseling, and uh, the uh, <laughs> therapist is encouraging them to, to introduce fantasy into the bedroom and uh, talk more, you know, about their uh, desires. Because they come a long way from the car sex a 16-year-old in, in the beginning, right? <laughs> Maybe they just need to go back in the car and the spark will be there again. Um, Maybe. Speaking of which, Misty's date is then giving her a drive home because saying, oh, Misty, that's really too bad your car wouldn't start. Like, he can't wait to get out of there. But she's just like, you know, coming up with every excuse to keep him 
to to keep him in the date, basically. Right, uh, right. Misty and, is desperate. She's she's doing the stage five clinger here. Oh my god! And then he doesn't want to come in. She's like, "Well, if you thought I was attractive, you would come in." And he like keeps going along with it. And like, though this isn't a spoiler. Um, do you think Misty is just like like just fall of thirst at this point in her life and just needs to make it happen? Or do you think she's like planning to abduct and like eat this guy? I think Misty just needs attention and love from anyone at this point. Not just this guy. I think she's just, I don't know. There's always a, a, I always get the sense from episode one that she has this need to just be liked and and need for approval. And I think that also plays out in her dating life as well. That's a very astute observation. Although we've learned she has not had success. In, in dating and we want to know about that in future episodes uh but Not you know right right when she's bringing in the man going to introduce her to uh introduce him to her bird caligula <laughs> great name for a bird uh we see natalie waiting for her with the gun um like in a very threatening manner her date is like peace i'm out of here uh and then natalie shows that she received a postcard with a symbol on it a symbol that if you look keenly you will see in the first episode was on the trees in the woods uh this is the thing that got me thinking about code uh there's something that uh is somewhat referenced in popular culture called hobo code and hobo code is symbols that tell you different things i was thinking maybe this was some of that looks inspired by that but i don't think it is um, and Misty says, "Why well, didn't send the postcard? I got one too." So we immediately learn that someone has been sending these postcards anonymously from a remailer, so we can't track it down to the surviving Yellow Jackets, or at least so far, Natalie and Misty saying, "Wish you were here," with a picture of the mountaintops in the wilderness. I'm sorry. I I see Misty as being someone that's too smart to not send herself one to play things out. That's the first thing I thought about watching this. Sorry, there's a super loud thing going outside if you hear it. But as soon as I saw this and she said, I got one too, I thought she probably sent it to herself too. That was my, oh, that was my first theory. It's true. Maybe, maybe if I like toilet paper all the neighbor's houses, I'll toilet paper my own as well. And that way, no one would suspect me. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she, she did that just to... I, remember, I still think she has that need for approval and to be liked so you know she's just gonna try to be one of the girls so i don't know listen we're getting to consp- i don't want to spoil yeah, anything we're getting know, to conspiracies later on but i couldn't help but to think when she said that to nat i was like listen she she sent it to you both like like misty's smarter than what anybody gives her credit for oh missy might be the smartest character on this show i mean it's interesting now that I think about it. Like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I, th- I think that based on what we've seen, like Misty is the character that is happiest with her life, maybe not her love life. But I think that with what she does, she seems well-adjusted. Shauna clearly is not feeling it with Jeff. She has issues with her daughter. Taisa is like in a very stressful situation running for state Senate. Natalie has been in rehab and is clearly, you know, still working through some things. And Misty... You know, she she just needs to meet a man, like, and her life will be complete. I don't think you are going to be well adjusted if you were never adjusted to begin with. You see my point? Mm. It's like, I don't think she will be affected by anything that went on in the woods because she was already crazy before it. Yeah, maybe. Where yeah, everybody we'll else, you know, yeah, everybody else might have just not been able to move on with their lives. But if you're already kind of like cuckoo then an accident like that is just going to make it come out more, but you don't have to go back to try to adjust. 
Well, and then we get one of the best lines so far of the series, which we'll, we'll keep coming back to this reference. They are at a bar and Misty is so excited to share all this research she has done on the team, where members are, what happened to Travis, who was with them in the woods. Uh, and she says, you know, I, I, I'm a citizen detective. And Natalie's like, what is that? And she says, we're like regular detectives, only nobody hired us or asked for our help. <laughs> Did you see the t-shirt? No, I have not seen the citizen detective t-shirt. There is a citizen detective oh, awesome. t-shirt with just Misty's face on it. That Somebody on Etsy has it up for sale. It's so good. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> Uh, while we're there in the bar, they, and, and by the way, okay, let, let me just call this out there. Cause I've been guilty of this. I've screenshotted it. Other people have as well. If you screenshot the wedding announcement, uh, the rescue article, the other stuff, all the text in those newspaper articles is placeholder. I don't think Showtime or the series creators anticipated the fans being like this obsessive. So I'm just going to call out that if you zoom in on Travis's license, like, yes, you could see the new name that he's using, which I think is like John something, but there's like no other major Easter eggs there beyond the headlines, which it really just says that the Okay, but do you, think, do you think that there's an Easter egg on Chana's college uh, college letter? Because oh, somebody Brown? zoomed it in and he had the date on it. Yeah. And yeah, then so the date was like November of 1995. So I think somebody was just trying to make that an Easter egg for what time of the year they were stuck in the woods kind of thing, you know? So I have tweeted at Ashley, the co-creator on Twitter. I feel so bad. I feel like I'm the one that's like obsessively asking her like the dumbest questions or clarity, but it's like, I just, I just want to know because I'm really into this show and I'm trying to, I, I, and I feel like we talk about this with wrestling a lot. In fact, we talked about this the other night. Like there's this weird thing when you're watching something, especially weekly and there's a long storyline, you want to feel like you're as smart or smarter than the people that are telling the story. That created it. Right, right. Right. You know, and it's not like I'm trying to yeah. detectives. Yes. We're citizen detectives. We're citizen detectives. Um, so <laughs> I tweeted at Ashley. I thought it was fall of 96 for some reason, because when I was in high school, soccer was a fall sport. But I guess depending on where you are in the country, that's different. So we did confirm this is spring of 96 when the plane crash happens. So Shauna getting early admission to Brown in November of 95 absolutely makes sense. Okay, perfect. Um, when they are at the bar, they run into Kevin, who we learn was the goth kid, uh, Natalie was hanging out with and doing asses with as a teenager. He, uh, is now a police officer. We learn. Right. Uh, we then cut back to, uh, the woods. We see Travis and Natalie interacting. Um, we learn, uh, that Travis and his brother Javi were on the flight. Coach, uh, Martinez was the father who died. Uh, was up in the tree, really dark that they, they lost their dad in this. Um, but the two of them survived along with Coach uh, Ben. Um, and, uh, yeah, and they uh, Natalie is very impressed that uh, Misty found Travis because, um, as, as we see, there's, there's something that goes on between them. Um, they even hint that when they cut to the next scene. There's something, connection between them when they're in the right. woods. Uh, modern yes. day. Okay, here's the introduction of another big mystery. Uh, Taisa and is there with her wife um, and her son Sammy, and we saw Sammy briefly in the pilot during a photo scene, but that's that's going to come into play. Some of the issues that their child is having. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes, um, I never. Uh, this story, this this whole story with Thaisa just takes such a turn from what I expected when I first met her on episode one. No, it absolutely doesn't. What's funny is I have to admit, like I wasn't quite as interested in a lot of the Thaisa story with her child at first, but then like where it goes, like absolutely, um, like has me. You know. Uh, yes. So okay, Shauna and Jeff are role playing a furniture buying scenario. <laughs> Because Jeff works at a furniture store. Right. He owns a furniture store. So naturally, that's, that's his fantasy. Here is the really interesting thing that I figured out, and I tweeted about this. When they're role-playing, Shauna gives a fake name. And the fake name she gives is Tabitha. Again, coming from my alternate reality background, I just wonder, is that, is that a clue? Is there anything there? So I Google the name Tabitha. Tabitha is in the Bible. Uh, as Aramaic and Greek for a gazelle, which is a horned animal very similar to a, to a deer. Um, what's interesting about right. gazelles is typically only male deer have antlers, but both female and male gazelles have antlers. So okay. this is my early theory that Shauna is the antler queen, and that's why she chose the name Tabitha for her fantasy snack. I like the way you put this together, Glenn. Okay, I see you. You got some good theories. I never, I didn't think anything of the role play name. You have gone into this way deeper than me, <laughs> and I'm being obsessing. This is a good one. This is. Really I, something... I don't know. I can see. I can see Shauna being the antler queen, but I don't know. She's. She, there's something about Shauna that I can't quite figure out yet. Or sub theory is that it's Jackie, and this has to deal with Shauna's continued like envy of Jackie, her best friend. Like Shauna, I thought wanted it was gonna to be, be Jackie, but I don't know anything about Jackie anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so this does not go well. Uh, they abandon this role playing attempt. This marriage can this marriage be saved? Uh, we then cut back to the woods in 1996. We see. Uh, Shauna and Jackie talking. It's interesting when they contrast these scenes. Like, do you think there's something there, like in the way that they put some scenes back to back, maybe that even if they're not explicitly telling us, because in episode three and four, when we talk about in the next episode of this podcast, like they did something that I think is explicitly telling us something. But do you think there's like something to read into that? No, no, not, not right now. I just think they do a good job at how to go back and forward with the timelines and what they're trying to tell us so we don't get lost. So that's why I think they, they went with some of the editing choices that they went to and went to piece what together. Yes. Um, we go back to uh, Thaisa and her wife. Thaisa got a postcard as well. So, or, or actually, did Thaisa get the postcard? I'll have to check this out because it's not apparent when I'm just looking at this here. Did Thaisa get the postcard or is Thaisa looking, did um, Shauna give Thaisa her postcard? I think Thaisa got one as well. I didn't think she did. I thought Shauna was showing her hers. Oh, no, wait a second. No, 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 no. Thaisa did get one. I'm not spoiling okay. anything, but we will talk about in a later episode about Shauna. Uh, in that regard. So, okay, so we get Coach okay. Ben um, up in the tree. They're retrieving his body from there. Um, we get Sammy uh, being put to bed by Thaisa. Thaisa's making shadow puppets, makes a puppet of a wolf, gets a flashback to a wolf. Wolves are very, I th think wolves are going to play a role in this series. I'll just say that's foreshadowing. You um, think? <laughs> 
<laughs> and then we see the drawing Sammy has made. Man, there is nothing creepier than a creepy kid. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, especially Sammy... when you can't figure out why he's creepy or dark because we don't have enough pieces of these puzzles to figure out how he could possibly be affected if it's related to Thaisa or not. So it makes him even creepier. Like, to me, Sammy is so mysterious. Yeah, and uh, this actor, Aiden Stocks, look, dude, you've got a bright career ahead of you of just being the one that, like, gives the ominous warning and says things in hushed tones. Like, his expressions, the way, like, like his eyes go wide when he's talking and the way he, like, stares off. Like, this kid is so good. Uh, you know, yes. if I'm remaking The Sixth Sense tomorrow, I'm getting him for the Haley Joel Osment role. Because this, oh my this kid God, is super yes. talented. Super so talented. Good. How old is he? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, he can't be more than like 10 or 11. Right? And he's, it's insane. I, I was immediately drawn to him and I just find him so mysterious. And the more that he's, like, they develop his character, the more I, the more I want to know more. And Taisa sees these drawings covering his wall, these like drawings yes. of like a creepy woman. And he says, it's the woman that, that watches me from the tree while I sleep. And he starts singing his name, Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. And I'm just like, watch this. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm sitting there like getting ready to hit mute. Cause I'm like, something creepy is about to happen. Something scary is about <laughs> yes. to happen. Yes. I, I do want to say that um, I give him props because I'm a big horror suspense thriller, you know, this fan. And I hate when series go for the sheep, um, like the jump scare this series doesn't scare you that way. You know what I mean? Like they go for legitimate mystery and, and kind of like super creepy situations. You don't need the jump scares in that kind of oh. way. I hate jump scare horror. Yeah, I think it's really overdone. And in this, the surprises, yes. they've, they've done it in a way that's a little more subtle. But um, we cut to Adam and Shauna on the phone and Adam really wants to get together with her. I mean, he's like, I could fix your car for free. Like he's really doing everything he can to get Shauna to come and like spend time with her. So yeah. again, little, little kind of thing. But then Shauna sees in her garden, rabbits have been eating things. Uh, she goes outside, decides to take matters into her own hand, like shovels a rabbit in the head and kills it, brings it inside, guts it, skins it, and proceeds to uh, cook rabbit stew or a rabbit chili for her family. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. New so recipe. Shauna... <sighs> and then, but again, like we're going to learn more about Shauna uh we have um then uh oh god what from there oh yeah and at dinner she tells her her uh family like oh i got this rabbit i skinned it from chin to anus and the family's like oh you're so funny mom yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> they go back on the plane they get the bodies off they're sitting around the campfire um we then cut back to modern day tabitha and jeff are managed to successfully you know, save their marriage in the bedroom. Um, and then this scene, oh my God, Laura Lee, the devout Christian, sitting around the campfire is saying that she caused the airplane crash because during piano practice, she in her head called the piano teacher a bad name. And Issa, are you like me that when you think what it was, you think, oh, this is a religious girl. It's going to be something where, you know, it's going to be like a really tame bad name. It's going to be like, oh, you shrew or oh, you witch or something like that. No, no. Yeah. I thought from the beginning it was going to be one of the worst curse words for her to think she would create such disaster from it. I was waiting for her to say that was the word, to be honest with you. 
Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> she called her, see you next Tuesday. And um, she's convinced that's what caused the plane crash. The other girls start confessing what they may have been done. Jackie's been freeze framing the movie Color of Night to get a shot of Bruce Willis naked. Lottie has been stealing things from TJ Maxx and returning them. And she has thousands of dollars in Max bucks. She never spends. Excellent confessions. Excellent confessions. Especially the, the TJ Maxx one. So these good. These are <laughs> so real. Oh, my God. Okay, so when I was a teenager. Yes. Like, I don't want to derail this. When I was a teenager. Okay, number one, um, like, freeze-framing movies. Kids today don't understand what it was like growing up before the internet. And you did not have access. You know, maybe you found, like, some adult magazines in the woods or something. Or maybe you could watch pay-per-view scrambled. Or maybe somebody brought a tape to a slumber party. but movies and being able to like hit the pause button on that vhs like that was our porn hub back in the late 80s and early 90s like that's all we have and yes, the max did you ever work at a blockbuster people will return the movies and not rewind them and they always were stop at the exact same part because you know what they were watching <laughs> Uh, and then the Max Bucks thing, I had a friend that had a similar scam to that where he would found that some items were sold for cheaper at some stores and more at others. So he would buy it at one store and return it to the other and then go back and buy it. Like he had this entire, like the Max Bucks scam. Oh my God, that's so accurate to what people could do before the internet and before technology got sophisticated on this. Um, and then in the Yeah, distance, people we, don't know the struggle. People don't know oh, the struggle yeah. we had to go through. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what mine is now as an adult? I'll just put this out there because they're not going to hear this. On DoorDash, there is a restaurant that for some reason on DoorDash always has an issue and never delivers the food, but they don't cancel the order until like an hour after you place the order. So I don't do this too much, but I've done this. My wife kind of makes fun of me because I've done this a few times. I'll place an order from there and I legitimately want the order, but I also kind of know it's going to get canceled. And if I complain, they give me, DoorDash gives me like a $30 credit. So I will admit that I've done that a few times to get extra credits on DoorDash because I know it's going to get canceled and I know they'll give me a credit to make it good. Wow, Glenn, you are going to cause a plane crash. <laughs> I'm going to cause a crash. There's very few you are worse than Laura Lee. You are worse than Laura Lee. I think on this podcast, Isa, I think we're going to be able to get a little more personal than we do on the wrestling podcast. No, I absolutely love that you just confessed that because I ne I don't I don't do that. And you know what? I'm the kind of person that never complains. Like I don't really? care they screw up my order, I'll just put a, a different one. I, I'm missing out on my DoorDash credits. Oh my god. <laughs> I read a book on a plane in the 90s called Consumer Terrorism. And the whole book was about how to effectively complain to get free stuff. Like you're not supposed to make stuff up, but if like something goes wrong, you're supposed to like, it would tell you how to write letters or make phone calls to companies to like get something in return for their screw up. So you should use language like I'm, I'm severely disappointed. you like, there's language you use with customer service that will get you a better resolution. That's absolutely incredible. Nowadays, because we're in 2021, the kids are just putting it on, on TikTok. They're making TikTok videos about policies that people haven't read and then you they get away with asking for free things because they read the return policy and we didn't. I don't know, but that's funny. I never thought about that. I don't I don't ever ask for anything free. Ever. Oh man, I because we use, you know, our house we moved, it's a whole thing. Kitchen's not back up or running. We've been relying on meal delivery services. And I will tell you that like, yeah, if they screw up, you can absolutely complain and get something. And even if it's a missing an order or they got your order wrong or whatever, like there are like, you know what I'm saying is for the insane fees that those services charge, even if you're a plus member or whatever, like 
please like use the system to its advantage. You know, you, they're still making out like bandits in the end uh, if you're using those services. But anyhow, long story short, Misty gets up from the campfire uh, over to where Coach Ben is resting with his one leg. Um, and when she does so, she gets that axe, puts it in the fire, and then cauterizes the wound on Coach Ben's leg so he will not bleed out. Right. Sorry, I'm having issues with my audio again. No, no worries. But Misty, look, and we learn uh, soon, I mean, Misty, if you're trapped in the woods, Misty's not the worst person to be trapped with. Um, after their, their, uh, their uh, marriage-saving uh, uh, lovemaking, uh, I can't believe I just used that phrase on a podcast, uh, after, after their intimacy between Shauna and Jeff, um, she looks at Jeff's phone when he gets up to take a shower, message from Bianca who says, tomorrow, usual place, 4 p.m., don't be late. So Shauna, what is Jeff up to? This is another big mystery in the series that uh, we'll talk about more in episodes three and four. Um, we then uh, go from there to the Yellow Jacket sleeping. And oh my God, Misty gets up to go to the bathroom in the woods. She overhears uh, Van and Thaisa saying, Thank God Misty knows everything she knows because we would be so dead without her. And a smile comes over Misty's face. This is the validation she has been seeking. She has found her role, found her place. Contrast this against the group of girls bullying her at the start of the episode with now where she is the MVP of a team she was not even qualified enough to play on. Crowning moment of glory and what awesomeness did I for her. What did I tell you earlier? All she wants is that seal of approval. She wants to be liked. She wants to everybody to just just approve of her. And this was one of legit happy moments for her, even in the middle of a very, very crappy situation. Absolutely. <laughs> like everything's coming up misty, aside from you know the plane crash and possibly starving to death. Um, but this explains what happens next, where she looks over and sees in the distance a blinking light. She goes to that light and realizes it is the airplane's black box and emergency transponder, realizing that it's only perhaps a day or two until that signal is picked up and the Yellow Jackets are rescued from the wilderness. And Misty, being the MVP, goes back to being the equipment girl. Misty starts to immediately destroy the black box, pull out the wires of the transponder, and breaks it, therefore sabotaging their chance for being rescued. I screamed. I did and too. I don't know if I screamed. I was so angry. I was like, why is she doing this? This was intense. I, I, I feel like this is the moment where I realized how invested I was because I was yes. feeling all kinds of emotions. Her decision of destroying this. I'm like, why? So, yeah, that, uh, that was one of those moments. Like, you know, when you're reading a book or watching a series and you know that moment that just completely triggers you and you realize, wow, I'm really into this. This was it for me because oh I, I was so mad, but yet kind of like understanding that she would want to stay in that situation because once again, she's needed and everybody, she's the hero. Yeah. And I'll tell you that it is, it was a moment where I was just yelling like, oh my God, no, no. You know, I just could not believe this was about to happen. This is one of the craziest actions I have ever seen a character take in a TV show that was, I mean, I'm thinking back to even Breaking Bad or just some of the more, you know, what they were typically like the over-the-top shows. And this is just like, just complete disbelief that she chose 
to do this. Now, that being said, I have read Bart and Ashley, the creators have talked about this and they have said in Misty's mind, this is buying her three days, five days, a week maybe for her to feel appreciated and accepted by the group. Okay. Okay. I can see that because at the same time, I don't know because I think Misty is so smart, but at the same time, I would assume that at this point she thinks they're assuming somebody's out to rescue them so she's just trying to buy a couple of extra more days to be the hero and the and the nurturing of the group so yes. okay okay i can see that that does change my perspective a little bit because how do you know i mean the entire time they keep saying oh they're probably on the way to rescue us and you start believing that and they are um they're in northern ontario uh they're in the woods in the wilderness in ontario now they were going from new jersey to seattle due to a storm their plane had to take a different route over canada and people are like oh you could just hike a couple miles it's like here's the thing about canada 90 percent of the canadian population lives within like 10 percent of the land located immediately near the u.s border there are large swaths of Canada right. that have not even been explored. Right. Um, uh, I got to tell you, I, I felt that this is when I realized how crazy people were going over this show with the conspiracies and everything, because people are trying to analyze where they're at and if it's really possible that there will be nothing around them and trying to, to like, I saw somebody analyzing the Ontario, like, mountains and saying there's no area like that in Ontario is in British Columbia and I'm like oh my god people yes, are actually trying to find the flight path that this plane would have taken and I'm like that is crazy to me that people are paying that much attention and they did shoot in British Columbia so that is true they did shoot uh outside of Vancouver I think like a paintball range or something there's like a wilderness paintball course they shot a lot of this out which I think is interesting um but to give you an idea yeah. of how Canada is structured there is a province in Canada that is just labeled the Northwest Territories. They didn't even bother to give it a name because not enough people live there enough to identify. Could you imagine right. the United States if we just had an area that was just like the Midlands? Like we're just kind of giving this a general description, but nobody lives there. So we're not going to bother to give it a state name. Right. I mean, yeah. Canada, like. There is a lot of open space. So we come back to present day, and wouldn't you know it, Natalie is outside her hotel room, wants to go see Travis since Misty tracked him down. Uh, Natalie's in her car, and her car won't start. You know, Misty was having car troubles earlier in the episode, had to get a ride home, and uh, wouldn't you know it, right while Natalie's sitting there, Misty pulls up with two coffees, saying, where are you going, Natalie? Can I come along? Misty, she just, she just always such clutch you know she comes through when you need her the most i wonder why yeah <laughs> road trip crazy. road trip for the girls and uh hops in says natalie do you prefer podcasts or show tunes i don't normally like to listen to podcasts <laughs> with other people i'm more of a show tune guy right right i was gonna say I, I they seem like two completely different individuals so even if they both said podcasts i doubt that they listen to the same kind of podcast yeah it's true. <laughs> well, and we've learned, I mean, Misty, Misty is a big true crime fan, you know, yes. so I mean, who knows what, what Natalie is into. Um, I love that during the scene, and I know we've called out just the great music here, but during the, the opening scene where Misty's being bullied, we hear this faintly, but then when Misty is having her triumphant moment of destroying the transponder, the emergency transponder recorder, hold on by Wilson Phillips is playing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> which I, mean, I thought was a nice touch forget bridesmaids this is the best use of wilson phillips hold on ever in something <laughs> agreed 
<laughs> and the lyrics hold on for one more day. And that's what she thinks it is, just one more day in the wilderness being the MVP. But oh no, they're going to be there for 19 months. And with that, we come to the end of episode two of Yellow Jackets. I mean, I have to say this. If you watch this series, if you watch the pilot for free on YouTube and it is streaming for free, and you're just even kind of like, okay, this is good, but it isn't great, sign up for a Showtime trial. You'll get it free for 30 days, I believe. You can watch yes. the, everything that's aired, the rest of the series. Check out the new Dexter while you're at it. But if you watch episode two, one and two back to back, I don't know how somebody could watch that and not think. Like, I can understand if the cannibalism and the darkness is turning you off to the show, but I don't know otherwise how you can watch the show and not think. If, if you're anywhere from, if you're a millennial or a Gen Xer like me, um, I don't know how you can watch this and not think. I'm just enamored and intrigued and just have so many positive feelings during this show. <laughs> Uh, because what they tease what they tease is so like how do you get there from the characters that we get to know on the pilot how does it get so dark like even if you're not into the dark gory stuff you have to be intrigued by trying to figure out how did they what happened how do we get here i i i i watched the first episode and i'm telling you i knew i was in within the opening credit like within the opening you know scene yeah, it's and the music, the music. I mean, whether they're using like Tracy Bonds, like Mother Mother, uh, PJ Harvey, Down by the Water, like they're just such like the needle drops in this show are insane um, of how they work them in. And uh, it's just it's so well done. I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, I feel like, you know, here I know this is taking a little longer because we're talking about uh, two episodes and we want to give context on it. Yeah. But, um, you know, stick with us. We are going to. Keep covering the show. We're going to start with weekly episodes starting this week, uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10 air. We're going to do stuff in between seasons before season two comes back. We have an email address. We have uh, yellowjacketsbuzz at yes. gmail.com. Uh, we're still setting up socials. We'll plug that when they're, when they're ready to go. But if you have questions, thoughts, theories, yes. can you email them to us? Uh, Issa is at NYC Demon Diva. That's Diva with a one. I'm at Glenn Rubenstein. Um, you know, and stay tuned. This is this is going to be, I think, a lot of fun. Yes, it is. I'm so excited to talk about it. And I just can't wait to get cut off so that we can really let all of our thoughts in because I'm afraid to spoil anything. I know. So I, I know. just want us to get cut off so that we can really get into it. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> but know. I love this and I'm having, I think it's going to be a blast. No, absolutely. And we're going to have guests as well from the wrestling community. We've been talking to some people. I yes. uh, don't want to spoil it yet, but I think we're going to have some fun guests on as well in different episodes, get more perspectives and talk about it. And we can, you know, even delve in more and talk about like the show, what it means to us, which characters we, uh, you know, identify with or are rooting for the most. And I don't know, there's so many theories and so much craziness. This is going to be a great time. So this is Yellow Jackets Buzz episode one, covering episodes one and two. Thank you for everyone for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. Bye.